It's always a fantastic Sunday when we have baptisms. Very excited that we're going to be baptizing four people shortly. Uh, I'm not intending to speak for too long, but I am excited to be kicking off a new sermon series for us as a church. Uh, In Christ is the title for this sermon series. Over the summer months, between now and around the beginning of September, every week we're going to be looking at one of the phrases in the Bible uh, speaking about who we are in Christ. Do you know the Bible doesn't actually speak of us primarily as Christians, those of us who have faith in Jesus? That, that term Christians does come up, but not very often. The repeated phrase is those who are in Christ. And it's such a rich idea, and it's so crucial for us as Christians to know our identity as those who are not just kind of loosely religious in a Christian sense, but have been placed into Christ himself, united with Christ himself, and with that comes so many glorious things. If you're very, very poor, and you marry someone who's very, very rich, legally what happens is all of the riches are bestowed upon you, even though you didn't bring anything to the table. Nice to marry someone like that. (laughs) Any adverts? (laughs) When we come to Jesus, here's what happens. We come in our poverty, and he comes in his richness. And he puts upon us the abundance of his riches. And so over these coming Sundays, we're going to be looking at those together. Today, we are in Romans chapter 6. If you have a Bible, please turn to Romans chapter 6 with me, and we'll be reading the first 11 verses. Romans chapter 6, from verses 1 to 11. We are those who are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The title for today's message. Let's read together. Romans 6, verses 1 through to 11. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless, so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin, since a person who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, We believe that we will also live with him because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. For the death he died, 
He died to sin once for all time, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is God's word to us this morning. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I want to thank you so much for the power there is in these words for us to enjoy true freedom from the power of sin. And I thank you that you call us to a life that is full of joy, of peace, happiness, love. Lord, all the things that every human heart longs for are found through a relationship with God, made possible by the once and for all sacrifice of your Son, Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you every possible obstacle has been removed for us to confidently, courageously, and freely live in this intimate relationship with you. So Lord, I pray today, may we, we hear these words, may we respond in faith to them, may we go forth knowing we are dead to sin, we're alive to God in Christ Jesus. Help us today to hear your words. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the passage began with this question in verse 1. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin that grace may multiply? Now this is a it's a rhetorical question. He, he's throwing this question out. He understands, the Apostle Paul, that based upon what he's just said, this is a question that's going to come to him. So are you saying uh, that I can just carry on sinning? Are you saying that the Christian can just keep on sinning because there's this grace? And he feels the need to raise this question because of literally what's just been said. So in verse 20 to 21 of chapter 5, we read... But where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what he appears to be saying here is, hey, as you continue to do things that you know you shouldn't do, as you continue to sin, what you have to understand is God's grace is even more powerful. His grace multiplies so that all of your sin, both past, present, and future, is covered. It's covered by the grace of God. It's dealt with. It's an astonishing message. You can go forth from here today and you can sin. You can do things which you know are against God's best for you. And not lose your salvation. This is a powerful message. And it always begs the question, what? Do you mean I, I, it doesn't matter how I live my life? Even this week I was doing a Bible study and I was speaking on these things. And I was speaking on the beauty of the grace of God how it's come to me is this free gift that I haven't earned. 
that, it's, that God's love towards me and God's acceptance of me isn't because one day God looked at my life and said, do you know what, Tim, you've just done so well. Uh, you've really worked so hard. You've, your prayer life has been, it's been impressive, Tim. Oh, wow. Do you know what? Come on, you can have heaven. That's literally what I, I was speaking. I was like, that's, that's not what this is. In fact, what happens is God looks at me and goes, your life, the way you've lived, the way you think, all of the, every, it doesn't count. But I love you. I forgive you. I want to give you heaven and righteousness, acceptance. I want to gift it to you. And I had someone, I was doing that Bible study, said to me, Literally, this is what happened. I'm so angry. I'm so angry. I was like, why? Because I've lived really hard. I've been trying to be a good person. Now, bless her. This, this was sincere. And do you know what? It's the right reaction if the gospel's been heard as it should have been heard. So if the Apostle Paul feels the need to say, hey, uh, do you mean then to say that I could just carry on living in sin? That it doesn't matter? And he says, absolutely not. No, 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 no. You've, you've misunderstood. Last year, I was uh, I, uh, preaching at another church in London and I got into a taxi and uh, the taxi driver was one of those nosy taxi, I love those ones, full of questions. Where are you going then? You're going to the football? I, I had my best shirt on. I, was, I thought I was looking quite smart. Didn't impress him, evidently. I was clearly the kind of guy, he probably going to the football. I said, no, actually, I'm, um, I'm a preacher. I'm going to teach the Bible. He's like, oh, he said to me. Then he said, I'm a Muslim. I was like, fascinating. What does, that, what does that look like for you? He said, well, I've just come back from Mecca. I've just done the, the pilgrimage to Mecca. I'm a very serious, committed Muslim. I fast, I pray. He took off his cap. He revealed a shaved head, showing that the evidence that he had indeed just returned from Mecca. This was a devout, hardworking Muslim. I said, wow, that's so impressive. That kind of discipline. I said, Why, what, what is it that motivates you to do those things? And he said, well, you've got to work hard, and you work hard at your religion, and God rewards you. This was a glorious moment for me. <laughs> so, I, so, of course, I was respectful and honoring. I said, do you know what I believe? I believe that all of my works all of my works, all of my very, very best things don't make a difference. That the, that the acceptance of God and the favor of God, how it's come to me as a gift. He's given me his salvation. And my friend, the taxi driver, is like, what? What do you mean? How you live your life. So this is the message of Romans from chapter 1 through to chapter 5. And Paul, the apostle, the, writing this letter to the church in Rome, has been celebrating this wonderful news that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for all sin. 
And that was why he was crucified. That's why God himself became a man and he lived a perfect life, was crucified to take my sin upon himself. For my sin to be upon Jesus Christ. And, and if I put my faith in that, then I'm forgiven of God. But here's the thing. Paul doesn't just stop there. So to be a Christian isn't just simply to say, well, I'm someone whose sins are forgiven. True. But Paul goes on to challenge this attitude of, so I can just carry on sinning then. So absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? You're, you're someone whose life is fundamentally changed on account of your faith in Jesus Christ. Which is what I'm saying. You're not the same person. Now, we have to understand that when Paul speaks about sin, he's not just talking about our deeds and our acts. Actually, he's speaking about it as a power or as a dominion, as a reign, a territory, if you like. That the, that the reign of sin, the power of it, has been over your life. Indeed, reigning over this world, the power of sin. That's a power, primarily, that we find ourselves, as it were, living in this country, this domain, this power of sin. And we have to die to this power to then be made alive. So the Bible talks about being born again. To be born into an, a new kingdom. There's a death that takes place. Now, what does this mean? I mean, it's fair to ask, what do you mean I've died? A number of years ago, 2010, Lizzie, my wife and I, we went to Berlin for a, a wedding in December. Anyone been to Berlin in December? Right, it's cold there. So we went there and a hard, it froze over, snow, ice, it totally froze over. And it was white everywhere, about three or four feet worth of snow. We'd, we'd traveled back to the airport from the wedding, and it was minus 15 degrees. Lizzie hates the cold at the best of times. She's five weeks pregnant with Skye. Not happy, not a happy bunny. So we get to the airport, and you know what, the, you know what we heard? Flight's been cancelled. What? What are we going to do? Like, literally, Christmas was like two or three days later. It was the 22nd of December. What are we going to do? Uh, flight, all flights cancelled. It might be days. So at the airport, we bump into a couple of uh, people we recognized as guests from the wedding that we were at. So we went over and we, we chatted to this couple, and he turns out to be the head of crisis management for Virgin Airways. <laughs> a very useful person to have in that situation. And he said, there's no point just staying here. We'll make our way back. Just, just trust me, I'll sort it out. And of course, we trusted him. And then over the course of the next couple of days, we took trains and buses, and, and gradually, as we left Berlin, the, the closer we got to England, the more the snow seemed to melt away, and the joy of getting onto the ferry and crossing over and arriving home. We made it back before Christmas. Now, here's the point. 
when you become a Christian, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you see him crucified and you say, he did that for me, you gain a new citizenship. You no longer belong in the domain and the realm of sin. That's not where you live anymore. That's not your city. You need to, you need to recognize that. But also what doesn't happen when you become a Christian is all of a sudden you are automatically transferred into this perfection. Unless you immediately die like the thief who died next to Jesus on the cross who immediately joins him in paradise. When we become a Christian, we begin to journey with Jesus. Jesus comes alongside us and he says, right, come on, follow me. And the more we follow Jesus, gradually through our life, we find the power of sin on us it doesn't have the same grip. I'm beginning to find, like, I'm enjoying freedom. But there are times when it feels like we're stuck as well. So we don't suddenly find ourselves in sinless perfection. Though, as far as God is concerned, you are now declared righteous. So before him, you are acceptable. So we're going to just think a little bit more about the implications of that and what it, what it means. But certainly the thing it does mean is this. We don't stay in Berlin. <laughs> right? Bear with me with the illustration. We don't just stay in the hard frost of winter. We're moving towards our true home. So, are you unaware, he says, that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so too may we walk in newness of life. What is he saying here? He's drawing attention to baptism, which happily we have right before us today. It's a wonderful picture of the passage that we're looking at. Now, he's not just saying that literally as you're baptized, suddenly all of your sin is dealt with. Because what was happening here is when you became a Christian, when you decided to follow Jesus, you'd get baptized straight away. All of these events are taking place together at the same time. What baptism is doing is to point us to the reality of what Christ has achieved in our hearts. So he's saying, when you put your faith in Jesus, when you're baptized, don't you realize you are joining him in his death? So when we go under, you're burying your old self. Buried. I've died. To, to, to the power of sin's control over me, I've died to that. And then as surely as Christ was resurrected, we come up out of the waters a new person. I'm not the same person. Here's what it means. When you look at Jesus on the cross and consider Christ on the cross crucified there, this is why this is so central to Christianity. You look at the cross. When you become a Christian, you look at it and you look at Jesus there and you go, that should have been me. I, I, I'm the one that rejected God. I, I'm the one that lived selfishly. I, I'm the one that's, it should have been me. Have you had that moment where you look at the cross and you, and you think, that should have been me. 
And then you realize, and it is me. It is me. My old life is crucified there. My old way of living, my, my old, the old self, it says here, or the old man, my, my sinful nature, crucified with Christ. And so you look at Jesus upon the cross, and it's not just this 33-year-old Palestinian man. This is all of us. I was crucified with Christ. My old self pinned to the cross. My worst shame. My worst guilt. All of the things which I've done and will continue to do. Crucified in Christ. The body of sin. Crucified with him. This is why we can't look at the cross as Christians and be unmoved by it. Charles Spurgeon says, If Christ has died for me, I cannot trifle with the evil that killed my best friend. You see why the idea of continuing just delivers it. I just can carry on sinning. I'm just going to carry on doing whatever I want. Who cares? I'm forgiven, right? What? Don't you realize how much your forgiveness costs your God? Don't you realize what's happening at the cross? Don't you realize how loved you are? Don't you realize how precious to God you are? That he said, I'll take all of your suffering in hell and I'll do it for you. So, how can you then just go, I'm just going to carry on sinning though? When you realize what an insult to love that would be. What an insult to that love that would be. He's like, it's crazy. And, and furthermore, you, you died. You died there. The body of sin died there in Christ. And here's the beautiful, beautiful moment. On the third day, the, the stones rolled, rolled away. And Jesus emerges from the grave. Alive and resurrected. He is no longer on the cross. So when we see all of the kind of crucifixes and there's a Jesus is still on the cross. No, he's not. He's not. He was. And he did truly die. And he did truly in his sufferings endure our punishment. But he's now alive. And right this very moment, friends, in heaven is in enthroned and reigning and one day he's going to return to his creation and we'll all see him face to face now you died with him but you were raised to new life with him so that everything that is true of Christ is now true of me this is the beauty of this doctrine this truth this teaching of our union with Christ we are united with him so that you and I are able to say his perfect life is mine. His perfect obedience is mine. He refused to give himself to sin and Satan. He, he refused to bow down to that power which has captured so much of humanity. He, he didn't do that and, and that life is my life by faith. 
And that judgment is my judgment by faith. So that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I can be here today still as a man who does often make mistakes. Often. And yet know I don't have to fear standing before God that somehow I'm going to be found out and punished. Because Jesus said, Tim, I've done it for you already, mate. I, I, I've taken that punishment already for you. Stunning. Now, what difference does this make to our lives? Verse 11. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive in Christ Jesus. This is an, this is an instruction. This is an imperative. Now, there's a, there's a reaction here. There's a response here. In light of all that you know to be true, in light of the fact that God sees you now and sees his son, you now need to consider yourself dead to sin. All right, this is something that we actively have to do. Now, if it was just straightforward, that suddenly after becoming a Christian, I just lived this perfect life, why would Paul find the need to write to say, no, you've got to really now reckon yourself. You've got to consider yourself to be dead to sin. You've got to actively choose to do this. Every time I mess up, every time you mess up as a Christian, it, it's a moment of unbelief. It's a moment of unbelief. It's a moment of failing to realize who I really am. I'm no longer a sinner. That's not my identity anymore. I'm no longer someone who's under this power. Here's the thing you don't need to sin anymore. You're not under its power. It doesn't reign over you. You've been set free from that. So the Bible says he offers a way out of every temptation. You don't need to live that way anymore. Its power has been broken. So I have to consider this to be true in how I live. So that when I'm faced with a decision, do I go ahead and say that? Do I go ahead and do that? And then I stop and realize, no, no, it's not who Christ is. So therefore, I'm in Christ. It's not who I am. So no, I'm not going to do that. That's the response that the Apostle Paul is urging us. You don't need to live that way anymore. Consider yourself, reckon yourself to be dead to sin and alive to God. Hallelujah. The power of the transformed life is one that we are actively called to participate in. You know what? You're in a prison. Jesus opened the gates and said, come forth, follow me. What a travesty to say, I just want to stay here. Or when Jesus called Lazarus, says, Lazarus, come forth. He was dead. Come forth. And Lazarus was like, I don't really want to. He just stays there in the tomb. How daft. Lazarus, come forth. What a moment. Lazarus comes forth, alive to follow Jesus. Come forth. We don't, you'll be pleased to know, especially those being baptized, they, we don't leave them in the water underneath it. We, we will bring them up out of it, okay? We don't leave them there. Come forth. Step into this new freedom that you have. Walk with Jesus for the rest of your life. He's leading you somewhere wonderful. Follow him, trust him, live your life with him.
Why don't we finish by praying? Father, we thank you so much for the power of this wonderful gospel message. We thank you that our strivings and our efforts don't count towards our salvation. No, no, no. It's your gift. But you do call us now to walk with you. That as we follow you, Lord, sometimes it's going to feel like an effort because we are always being tempted to sin. And Lord, you know we often do. And yet we thank you that we now no longer need to because its power has been broken over us. And we thank you that your word promises that he who started a good work in us will bring us to completion. We thank you one day we'll step into your paradise and we will be completely perfected. The frost totally melted away. Lord, I pray for each of us here today. May we realize that our old selves have died in Christ and that we now are called to a new life, resurrected in Christ. And we thank you what's true of our hearts, what's true of us spiritually will one day be true of us bodily. That whilst we will bodily fall asleep, we will one day be resurrected in a glorious new body to be with you forevermore. We thank you for those who are being baptized and for what you've done in their lives. We can't wait to hear their stories, evidence of you doing these things today. So Lord, we love you and we praise you for this wonderful message that we are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God.